I would like to begin this podcast by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. All opinions and discussions on the podcast are purely individual experience, so please consult a doctor or medical professional for more information. Welcome to the Shake It Up Show, a podcast in partnership with Shake It Up Australia Foundation for Parkinson's Research, where we speak to people whose lives have been impacted by Parkinson's disease and hear their stories. My name is Amy Louise Ruffle. I'm an actor, comedian, podcaster, and most importantly, a proud Shake It Up Australia ambassador in support of my dad who lives with Parkinson's. My guests today are known as the Monkey Maya Boys, a group of longtime Shake It Up supporters who have done all sorts of fundraising adventures for the foundation and raised over $250,000 over the years. An amazing amount. So to tell us more about that and their individual Parkinson's journeys, please welcome Andrew Urquhart and Noel Pasalacqua. Welcome. Thank you, Amy. Thanks for having us on the show. Thanks, Amy. Now, I would love to hear about how you guys got to know each other because I believe there is quite a beautiful long friendship here. So maybe, Andrew, you can kick us off by telling us how you met. I moved to the Holbrook District in southern New South Wales in 1981 with my wife and one child at the time. And um, we started farming on a pretty ordinary farm just east of Holbrook. And um, a couple of years later, Noel arrived in Holbrook and he, he bought the farm next door to a very good friend of ours. And between us, we had the two worst places in Holbrook. But we um, that's another story. We we survived that. But um, So Paz was about nine years younger than me. And we, um, because of our mutual friend next door to him, it, I guess that's where it all started. He joined the basketball team. And over the years, we tr- traded livestock and shot rabbits and went fishing and went camping. We had a lot of, had a lot of fun over the years. It sounds incredible. And Noel, what do you remember of those times? Uh, well, we uh, we were both uh, very poor in those days. <laughs> we, as Andrew said, we both had probably the worst two worst properties in the district. But anyway, we somehow seemed to make them work over the years. Uh, we've had a great friendship, a lot of fun, as Andrew pointed out. And uh, I certainly treasure our friendship, and I'm sure it's uh, mutual. Absolutely. <laughs> Glad to hear it's mutual. That's uh, always important in a friendship, isn't it? That it does go both ways. Now, it sounds like you guys have shared a lot and I guess recently shared that both of you have had Parkinson's disease come into your life. So maybe you could tell me about the time when both of you learnt about your diagnoses because I believe they're about five years apart. Okay, I was diagnosed in uh, September 2011. Quirky sort of date, I know. But uh, anyway, as you said, uh, I think Andrew was diagnosed about five years after that. 2015. And uh, where to from there? Um, So what was your question again, please, Amy? So, yeah, when you got that diagnosis in 2011, what had the symptoms been? What had made you go and, I guess, seek out a diagnosis for something? The first thing I noticed was I, I played the piano. I was playing a piece on the piano which required one of my hands, my left hand, 
to play notes quite rapidly and in time. And one day I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. And that felt really odd. And uh, I wasn't alarmed particularly. I just felt really odd. I didn't certainly didn't relate it to Parkinson's because I, you know, I had no reason to. But prior to that, I haven't been able to smell for probably 15 to 20 years prior to that date in September 2011-ish. So, you know, then I was at the doctor for some other reason, um, uh, just something insignificant, and I developed a bit of a tremor in my right hand every now and again. I'd start to shake a bit. So while I was at this doctor's uh, practice, I asked him uh, about my shake, and I told him about a book that I'd been uh, just recently reading about. It's a long story, but anyway... um, about a fellow that had Parkinson's and a, and a detective realised that he couldn't have been responsible for something in particular in the book because pay shaking from Parkinson's wouldn't have allowed him to do that. So anyway, I'm getting off the track a bit. But anyway, getting back on track, uh, he he grabbed the book, uh, looked it up, looked up uh, a shake and a tremor. He said, uh, yeah, you, you could have Parkinson's. So I went home, I said to my wife, stupid doctor, what would he know? Because I, I didn't believe that for a nanosecond. Uh, anyway, he, uh, some months after that, I went to see a, a neurologist locally. He ran me through a group of tests, uh, ran some smelly uh, clothes under my nose. See, can you smell that? I said, no. He got me to say the months of the year backwards while I was shaking my right hand up in the air. Yeah, a variety of tests got me to walk up and down the corridor. And he said, right, I'll uh, sit down. And I said, sit down. He said, I've got some bad news for you. I said, yep. He said, "Uh, you've got Parkinson's. And I said, "Uh, boy, wow, that's um, some. So I said, uh, uh, well, uh, Stephen, I'm I'm a glass half full sort of fella. What's the upside? And he said, well, you know, he went through a list of upside, the best sort of case scenario for me. I said, well, that's not too bad. I can live with that. And so that's about my story. And so, Andrew, when did you become aware of Noel's Parkinson's diagnosis? Well, as we just said before, we're pretty close. So um, I guess I would have been one of the early people to know that he was diagnosed. But it... Um, it wasn't worrying him, and it certainly didn't wasn't obvious to us. Even though when you're diagnosed with Parkinson's, you've normally had it for some time. You know, they say you've normally had it for at least five years prior. Um, but um, anyway, so I um, we just kept on doing what we're doing. Uh, to, to go on from where I, my diagnosis went, I um, I was at the doctor's one day. On, on uh, I, I had to get my carpal tunnel done on my left hand. And at that stage, you had to have a, a um, had to be referred to a neurologist to to check you out for the carpal tunnel. So as my GP was writing out my ref- referral for the carpal tunnel, I said, "Look, my left arm doesn't swing too well. Whack that on your thing." So I had in the back of my mind that there was Parkinson's. Anyway, so he did that. I went to see the um, neurologist in in Aubrey, and. Um, I was in the waiting room and he came out from his room, which is maybe 10 paces from the front desk. And uh, he said, follow me up to, up to the room as you do. 
And uh, I got up there and he said, as specialists have a habit of doing, he so, so nicely put it, you've got Parkinson's disease. And I said, well, why so quick with the diagnosis? And he said, well, I, I noticed your gait walking, your gait walking from the um, front desk to here and you've got a frozen face, which is one of the things that we common get. You know, often looks you look very uninterested and bored with the conversation, but it's really just a, a PD thing. And I guess immediately prior to, to going to see the neurologist, Paz and I had been fishing with a couple of mates up at Eucumbeen, uh, Lake Eucumbeen, trout fishing. And we'd been camping there for a few nights and I had to leave a day early. And I said, I'm going to see the neurologist about my left arm not swinging. And Paz said, well, you, you've got Parkinson's anyway, uh, which he sent me off with, off to the doctor with that with that comment. So we did the doctor thing and got, got the diagnosis. And... Um, I was home mowing the lawn a couple of hours later when Paz rang and said, how'd you go? You got it? I said, yeah, I got it. I'm joining, joining you, mate. So he was the first person, he was the first person before my wife and family to know that I had Parkinson's and, um, and away we went from there. So, I mean, it's quite phenomenal that you would uh, have that conversation just before going and so you sort of already had it in your mind and I guess maybe a bit more of an awareness of Parkinson's than the average person given that it had already been in your awareness. Has it been helpful both being able to go through this together and discuss any things or symptoms or experiences? How has that been for the two of you? Uh, It has been helpful. Uh... I guess there's an underlying um, support between the two of us. Um, it's nothing, nothing that we spend uh, time on trying to maintain or, or operate or function, but uh, it's just that's something that's there and it happens. I think. Quite funnily, um, Andrew's wife she she said to me uh, at one stage uh, she said, "I think you two have been spending too much time together." <laughs> The fact that, that Andrew caught, uh, is suggesting that Andrew might have caught Parkinson's from me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Very funny. And, Andrew, um, what has it been like for you having Noel by your side through this Parkinson's journey? Well, as, as he said earlier, he's a half-full kind of guy, glass-half-full kind of guy, as, a, as opposed to a glass-half-empty and um, I guess I'm the same, and we've we've had that thing. We're, we've never let it worry us. We've just gotten on with what we do, and there's no point in. Um, we've got, all got plenty of mates who've got a lot worse than we have. You know, we've got cancers and different different other issues. So I think we've 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 said, well, it's a bloody nuisance, but it could be a lot worse. So um, we've um, just gotten on with life. Sounds like you both have an incredible mindset and philosophy about this. So in terms of those things that you do to sort of help manage your symptoms, what have you guys found helpful, whether it's physical activity, psychologists, the medications, how are you helping manage your symptoms? Maybe we'll go to you, Noel, first. I do do a lot of exercise. That certainly helps. I bike ride early in the morning uh, three times a week. And I swim uh, three and a half times a week. So my only day off is uh, is Sunday, Sunday morning. Every other morning I'm up at uh, about quarter past five. I'm either in the pool at six or uh, that's the public swimming pool or I'm on the push bike at six in the morning. So that helps a lot. It also gets your mind uh, 
you know, prepared for the day, gets you in a good frame of mind. You know, you you meet up with your buddies that you that you're going swimming with or you're going bike riding with, and there's always the banter and the you know the jibing and all those sorts of things, which is an important part of healthy uh, living, I, I believe. Yeah, you're getting that social um, connection as well as the physical workout. Correct. And uh, what I don't do enough of is get enough sleep. I'm trying to improve that. Sleep certainly helps. And and a good diet and a good backup person behind you, such as my wife. Are you trying with a good diet as well? Mm, yes. it's a hard one to manage isn't it i'd like to quickly touch on the sleep though that you mentioned has that um has sleep always been something that has been a challenge for you or is that something that's presented since your parkinson's diagnosis and uh what i meant by that amy uh i'm a shocker for staying up late (laughs) i I would uh yeah i would uh, just stay up late uh doing whatever whatever i was involved with at the time um, whether that be at partying or or um or watching a movie or uh, getting in the Ooh. office work or whatever. I see. So too busy having fun for sleep. Yes, but <laughs> I, I've certainly curbed. I've curbed that. I I go to bed a lot earlier, and uh, I largely don't have trouble sleeping. Well, very glad to hear that. And, um, yes, it's a balance, isn't it, of living and having those fun moments but also getting the the rest and recovery that you need so that the next day you can still have a good day too. Um, now, Andrew, uh, talk to me about what you're doing um, physical activity-wise, et cetera. In some ways similar, um, not quite as active as Paz, but I um, I was always I used to do a lot of walking, you know, back in the old days prior to Parkinson's and maybe early days Parkinson's, I um I did um Kokoda and Kilimanjaro and those sort of trips. So I always um did a lot of exercise prior to those. You know, I took them pretty seriously. And so I, I really enjoyed walking, but walking doesn't suit me now. I don't I get I get sore in the back and sore in the my Parkinson's is all left side, so I think it's a compensating thing with my left left leg when I'm walking. So I um I don't walk well, but it, it it's a matter of changing your habits and changing what you do. So when when I wasn't walking well, I um took up the bike riding. So I've been bike riding for about eight since we moved down to Bowen Heads from New South Wales. I've been bike riding very regularly, you know, two, three, four, five times a week. And lately, in the last twelve months, I've probably gone to every second day bike riding and um, every second day at the gym or a thing called Kiza, which is not, not everywhere, but it's in, you might've known it. It's in Melbourne and around here. It's a gym program set up by um, physiologists and um, physiotherapists. So I, I, I do all of that. And um, so that the exercise is very important. I think they all say that it's not only Parkinson's, obviously it's everybody, but it's certainly very relevant to Parkinson's. What else? Sleep. I haven't, I've always I've come from a family of great sleepers. Dad could sleep, but if he, if I, somebody else was driving, he'd he'd be asleep before he got around the corner. And our family have always been able to do that. But recently, as in the last year or two, I've found it very hard to sleep. So just lately, I'm I'm getting better at lately. I'm I'm getting, going to bed later. I think I was trying to get too much sleep. I was going to bed at half past nine or ten, and you know waking up I don't know whatever early, and um, so now I try and go to. Yeah, you know, read read a book for another hour or two longer, so which is good for book reading. 
So I go to bed usually at about you know, 11 or 12, maybe, and um, just beat one of my other mates with Parkinson's who does his he does Wordle at 12, so I try and beat him sometimes <laughs> if I'm still going at 12 o'clock. <laughs> we're, we're both sick on about who gets there first. Oh, that's a good way to uh, cap off the end of the day, isn't it? But it's like like what you're saying is sort of finding the balance that works for you because, yeah, you can lean too far the other way and maybe that's um, messing with the sleep pattern in that regard. I would love to hear a bit more about the Monkey Maya boys and how this came to be because obviously that fundraising work that you guys have done is phenomenal. So where did that start and uh, what did you do? Well, that started... Back in um, 1918, a group of us, a group of us, half a dozen of us, um, decided we'd go from the westernmost point of Australia to the easternmost point. Three of them on motorbikes, Paz and two other fellows on three other fellows, four of them on motorbikes, on big bikes, um, 800, 850cc bikes. Paz will tell you about them. And anyway, we're all set to go. We had the stores and the backup vehicles and already pretty much ready to go about three weeks before Kim said to somebody at Paz or us or whatever, said, why don't you make it a fundraiser? So he said, great idea. You, you research it, Kim. So Kim, Paz's wife, he did the research and she came up with shake it up. So away we went and um, we got, got our, our um, Instagram set, set up and, and, away we, and we all had mates. And so we all um, emailed them and, Away we went, and we had a fabulous trip for Monkey Mountain Byron Bay and raised $50,668. And um, not only that, of course, was the um, the awareness, raising awareness. And, and then we we met Clyde, actually. Clyde was up in um, up near Byron Bay at the time when we got in, so he came and had dinner with us. So that was the first time I think we'd met him in person. And, uh, and that started a great relationship because Clyde, Clyde Campbell being the, um, as you know, as we all know, but your listeners might be being the, the founder and um, director of Shake It Up Australia. Fantastic. And so is this now, have you done um, multiple rides as a group since then? The, the group has been very similar in people, but a few variations of people on the trip, but usually four, four five, six, seven, eight of us. And um, with a core who are always there, and we've done since done the Canning Stock Route and the Amberdale Highway, and in in the 2020 COVID stopped us. We were going up into up into up into to do the um, Simpson, but uh, COVID stopped a couple of us from Victoria, so we had to change our plans, and we did the uh, trip around um, northern, western New South Wales, covered a lot of country that maybe we'd seen before but hadn't done it in as much depth. So that was a good one. And then last year, the year before last, we did the Simpson, a bit differently to most. We covered um, different parts of the Simpson and went up the Hay River track and the Plenty Highway and did a, few, a fabulous trip. So that was 2021. And last 2020, we didn't, 22, we didn't do one, but we had a, had a, um, a pseudo one. I just put it, put it all together on a weekly basis and sent it out to our, uh, to our contact base. We didn't do anything, but we sent photos and summaries of the previous four trips. And, and, and that one, even without leaving home, we raised $23,500 on that one. Wow. So, so the Paz will have different sides to that story. Yeah. So what, do you, what is it that you um, like about the, the group rides that you do, know? 
numbers of things. Um, before I get uh, on to that, Amy, can I just say, Andrew uh, has done an outstanding job in the communication uh, and yeah, posting all the photographs on the way. Whenever he would get uh, any sort of internet connection, he would he'd be on his phone tapping away hour after hour after hour. He did an outstanding job. And uh, so it wouldn't have happened without him doing all that, of course. And the networking, he's a great networker. He's unbelievable. Now, moving on from that, uh, what did I get out of it as far as the enjoyment of those trips? Um, the camaraderie was fantastic. You know, sitting around the campfire every night, um, spinning yarns, telling stories, um, the scenery out there in, the, in that desert country through central Australia was just extraordinary. The challenge of riding these motorbikes over sand dunes through the Simpson Desert and, and other areas like such as that, you know, the Hay River Track and so on, uh, that was a real challenge. The food was good. We ate well. <laughs> yes, we had uh, a few beers along the way, of course, and uh, Tucker was fantastic. So we ate well. We we uh, we have a, a really good time. And uh, so the challenge now is, I guess, Amy, is to find the next uh, the next um, activity to undertake to raise some more funds for Shake It Up. Well, yes, that's a very good question. Is there a, a 2023 trip on the cards or for the next year? What is the plan moving forward? From my perspective, uh, there's just some ideas kicking around in my head. To add to what I mentioned about uh, what uh, Andrew did uh, you know, with his posting his photographs and all those sorts of things, uh, you know, getting it out there to the people that had sponsored us and donated money to to shake up for through our, our through our fundraising uh, activities, part of the success of that was the interest that they generated. You know, people I think, uh, well, I know, really enjoyed uh, getting the photographs and the and the stories of what we what we did, and what we came across on these trips, and uh, so that's that's important. I think um, if you just sat around and played cards for three weeks, it's not all that interesting for people, but. Um, <laughs> The sorts of things that we've done, I, I'm sure, are, I know they are very interesting to a lot of people. So they like to keep up to date with us and, and have a look at all the postings that Andrew puts out. No, you're absolutely um, right. It sounds like incredible adventures. And I guess what you've also mentioned is this incredible support from your people and your communities, obviously, to raise that much money. There are people around you that are very on board with your adventures. So what has that level of support from your community meant? Andrew, do you want to kick us off there? Well, as Pat said, it, um, they're always saying, when are you doing the next one? And we loved your trip and blah, blah, blah. And, and um, they've, they've been particularly generous. I think as a as a um I always say to people who are starting a fundraiser and they ask advice, I say you want to manage your fund fundraiser right from the beginning. You start with a, a couple of good sized donations. You don't let people start with a twenty dollar donation. You don't put it out there and wait for people to start it. You get in there and you put in a thousand or five hundred or whatever, and and after somebody get somebody else to do it and you whack a few in like that. So that people understand that we're not looking for twenty dollar donations. We're looking for serious fifty, hundred, five hundred thousand, four, five thousand in places from some people who have been very generous. Mostly those ones have had some sort of reason, some tie up with um, Parkinson's by a family member or whatever. 
but it's uh, it's a very important part of the we found part of the fundraising as Pat said keeping them informed but also making sure that we're after serious money because we it's, a, it's such an important thing and every dollar that we raise as we tell them often Michael J Fox donates another dollar so the quarter of a million that we've raised it all of a sudden becomes half a million and our, our supporters are very mindful of that fact and um, I think if we do get another one going I suspect it's probably not going to be a, a big desert one, but would like to hope it would be. But maybe we'll just do a, do a smaller ones up into the mountains, up into Kosciuszko or somewhere around there. But um, we haven't we haven't really got one going. But I think the, the enthusiasm is there from the group if we get off our tails and do it. I think there certainly is enthusiasm out there. So if listeners want to um, stay up to date with what might be happening, how can they stay connected? You, you mentioned there's an Instagram maybe. Um, what do people do? Well, there's still an Instagram page, which is not all that active, but, I mean, it's there. Um, it's called um, Maggie Myra Byron. And you know, I'll check that and I'll get back to you in a second when I've had a look. But um, that that's there and... Um, I guess if we do it, do anything, that's where it'll become. But we, we'll still have the, uh, the existing email list from the previous trips, so we can annoy them. They all, some say, I get four or five of these, and I say, well, that's because you're on my list and Paz's list and Harry's list and everybody else's list. So we, <laughs> not much we can do about that. You're just going to have to delete, delete the odd one. No, the more the merrier. It's better to be informed. Um, I love that. So people can check out the Instagram. And then just another one, one final question before I let you guys get back to your Saturday afternoon activities. What's something that you would say to someone if they've just recently gotten a Parkinson's diagnosis, any advice or um, information that you would want them to have that maybe you didn't have when you got diagnosed? Okay. Um, well, then in my case, uh, 2011, that's, uh, that's about 12 years, isn't it? So they're 12, if someone was uh, diagnosed today with Parkinson's, they are 12 years closer to uh, having their disease better managed or potentially cured than I was. And in Andrew's case, uh, seven years uh, closer. Hello, everyone. It is uh, host Amy here. Now, obviously, that was a very abrupt end to the episode and certainly not intentional. Unfortunately, we had a myriad of technical difficulties during the recording of this episode. And both Noel and Andrew were absolute legends and um, did everything to get through it as best as possible. But unfortunately, we couldn't reconnect at the end. So it did cut out before we got to wrap up the way that I would want to. Um, But I would just say a fantastic episode outside of that. Noel and Andrew were so kind and generous with their time. And so we'll get them back on uh, when they're on their next adventure and uh, finish up. But I hope you enjoyed the rest of the episode. And again, apologies for the abrupt ending. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Shake It Up Australia funds groundbreaking Australian research that aims to slow, stop and cure Parkinson's disease. And they need your help. To support Shake It Up's vision of a world without Parkinson's, head to shakeitup.org.au forward slash podcast. Together, we can find a cure.